you may have that one. Isn't it a blessing to see the Thorpeites doing the Advent candle this morning? You know, this church has such beautiful families and uh, just gorgeous children in this church. My heart is warm each time I see them. Now, sadly, they do grow up. Uh, You know, dear Daniel, my goodness, you hear his voice. Now you hear the voice of a man, not a child. I have to look up to him. Uh, They're growing up, but not as cute as they used to be, but uh, still true men and women of God. I had a bit of a struggle seeking God for this morning's word. One reason is there were all kinds of thoughts swirling through my mind. First, of course, is the fact that we're just a little over a week past Thanksgiving. And as I ponder my life, I can never thank God enough for the amazing blessings that are mine, undeserved, unsought, but received. As some of you have heard me say before, I have more friends than it's legal to have. And that's true. (laughs) For many years, I wondered how times to feed the family. Now, that is not a problem at all. God has provided marvelous for me. I have a safe home, a comfortable bed, and a family. I'm so blessed. Thanksgiving just stays with me. Also, we're in the middle of the Advent season. (laughs) Last week, we did the candle of hope. Today, love. Next week, joy and then peace. And how can you ever adequately thank God for what we have in this season? Is that the word God wanted brought? And then tomorrow is December 7th. And any of you who were alive in December 7th, 1941, will say to all the world, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. And for the next almost five years, our lives were transformed. Everything we did was aimed toward winning the war. We did without. I, I mentioned to some, I remember in junior high school, the bas- school basketball team, some played barefooted because there were no shoes available. We, we did without meat. We did without this and that and the other. And we didn't complain. It was all aimed toward winning the battle. Sure, most of us remember December 2001, December 11th. I remember that. Well, I'd just come home from an early meeting, and I never turned the television on in the morning, but my wife had, and I walked in the door and saw immediately the picture of the tower in flames, and I think I may have seen a plane hit it. I'm not sure about that. But I'll tell you, December 11th, 2001, fades in comparison to December 7th, 1941. Lord, is there something there? As, as the Japanese did the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, Satan did a sneak attack on God and humanity in the Garden of Eden. Lord, what do you want me to talk about today? The answer came some nights ago. I felt the need to be alone and pray. And so I went over across the river to the west bank to one of my favorite prayer spots. And there I began to speak to God. Lord, please be real. Let me know your presence tonight. 
They began to intercede for this one and that one. The sun was over my right shoulder, slowly receding on the horizon. In front of me, there was a sparse grove of pine trees and a tree or two behind me. And long shadows were being cast by the sun, shadows of those trees, silhouettes of pine trees. And I found myself focusing on those shadows. And I think the Lord was leading my thoughts. Look at those shadows. If you saw nothing but those shadows, could you describe a tree? I could say, well, they're about this wide. <laughs> uh, the, the, the shadows are extended because of the angle of the sun. They're a little taller than normal. I see a branch, a bit of cluster of something, foliage of some kind. But I could never say I can really tell you about a tree. <laughs> I have to see the real thing. I cannot tell you about the color of the tree, the texture of its bark, the, the way the pine needles come together, the, the color and texture of a pine cone, or the pleasant odor that is always present in a grove of pines. I could never tell you about that if all I saw were shadows. And immediately the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 came to me. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see in a, dim, a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Then I shall fully known as I am fully known. And the Lord said to me, there is something wonderful in the future. And all you can see of it right now is shadows. But oh, what a blessing that will be. I began to think, or what are some of the shadows of those days? I thought of a love of a parent to a child. And you think, how could anyone ever love more than this? But our Heavenly Father does. And someday we'll know that love in a way we never know it in this life. I think of the love of a husband to a wife, dear to him, more, more than life itself. And that is but a dim reflection of the love that Jesus has for his bride, the church. Shadows. Sometimes we get misunderstandings of what that really is going to be like, and sometimes there's a reason. Remember in John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. If ye believe in God, believe also in me. And the King James says, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go again, I will go and come again and receive you unto myself. Mansions. <laughs> Where'd that idea come from? Well, in 
1611, when the King James Versions was translated, the old English word for house is mansion. And so they translated in 1611, in my house are many mansions. The Greek word is monet. The Greek says, in my father's oikos, house, there are many monet. Monet is a dwelling place, abode. It can be a tent. It can be an apartment. It's just some place to live. But the point that Jesus was making is this. Those who are his, when they cross that river into the other land, will not find any, no vacancy signs. But there will be a welcome mat. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? <laughs> not a mansion. You know, our Stamp Hill uh, composed this song, I've got a mountain just over the hilltop in that fair land where we'll never more roam. I've got a mountain. <laughs> I've got a mansion. <laughs> not a mansion, but there will be no no vacancy signs. God will say, Here's the place I have prepared for you. And I have no idea what that'll be like. But I know my heart will be filled with thanksgiving for what God has done. Although so much is shadowy, there are some things we can know for certain. Let me talk about those this morning. One thing we know for certain is that in that wonderful existence, there will be many, many never-agains. Many, many never-agains. For example, TCF is kind of unusual on Sunday morning in that most churches you attend, on Sunday morning there would be some kind of a congregational prayer. We don't do that here because we're family and we have an intercessory prayer time on Sunday morning. Just look at this intercessory prayer list. Think about this. Had an unanticipated hip replacement, never again. Surgery on blocked arteries, never again. <laughs> Recovering from cataract surgery, never again. A little girl recovering from surgical remover from a large dermatoid lump on her head, never again. A dear sister who has to have a tracheotomy in order to feed her, never again. Knee replacement because knees are worn out, never again. A dear brother who has to have a prostectomy and now undergoing radiation therapy and medication to reduce his testosterone level, which leaves him worn out, never again. Hip replacement, on and on. Will there be an intercessory prayer list in heaven? <laughs> well, I thought of one. One reason. <laughs> and that's all it'll be good for. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Think of the never agains that are going to be ours in that wonderful, wonderful homeland. Never again will there be Christians arrested, tortured, and slain. This past week I was reading a Voice of Martyrs medica uh, uh, publication and it said today there are 40 nations around the world where Christians are being arrested, 
tortured and killed. Never again. When I read reports like that, I always think of Revelation chapter 6, in which the sixth seal is opened. And there, as John was given this vision, he saw um, individuals who had been killed for their faith. And they said to Jesus, How long, Lord, will it be before you avenge our death, our blood? And Jesus said, Wait a little while. <laughs> Each of them was given a white robe, and here's what the Scripture says. They were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. Did you know that, that God has a list of people who down through the ages are going to die for him? And he doesn't stop it from happening. Think about Stephen, the first martyr. Remember, they took him out in an organized way. They were going to stone him to death. And as they began that, he looked up and he said, I see the Son of God standing. Jesus watched Stephen die. He didn't stop the stoning. But oh, <laughs> what a glorious future awaits those who did not compromise but were willing to be tortured and slain because they believed in the power of the blood of the Lamb. Death, never again. Quarantine, <laughs> never again. Women going to the valley of death to bring forth new life, never again. Never again will a man Kneel before the hospital bed whereon lies that woman that he loves more than life itself. And while he whispers into her ear, I love you, I love you, suddenly she comes out of the coma and opens her eyes and with a look of surprise looks up to the place where ceiling and wall are junction and then she's gone. That man is thankful that her days of suffering are over. But in no way does that stop the loneliness with which he will live until God calls him home. Never, never again will that happen. Revelation 21.4 He shall wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things are passed away. Margot and Linda and Lynn and Christine will be out of work. <laughs> Nothing for them to do. <laughs> Never again. But there are also some marvelous certainties of forever and ever. And the great high priestly prayer in John 17. Now, you know, we call so often that uh, prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art. And that really is the Lord's Prayer. That's a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17, which is a prayer that only Jesus could pray. It was a high priestly prayer that he was praying just prior to his crucifixion. 
And in it he prayed for the apostles. And then he prayed for those that would become believers because of the preaching of the apostles. And then he prayed this, Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. Now that was his prayer and that prayer was answered. Paul writing to the Thessalonians says this, If we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then this line, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Jesus' high priestly prayer has been answered. Isn't that something to think about? You know, one of the things we might wonder about that's but a shadow is what will those glorified bodies look like? <laughs> you know, John, the apostle, didn't even know. <laughs> he wrote this in 1 John 3, Beloved, now we're children of God. It not yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears we shall be like him <laughs> because we will see him as he is. I don't know what my body will be like or yours, but oh, whatever it is, it'll sure be a lot better than this 90-year-old one I have now. <laughs> Jesus is so good to us. And then the certainty of the fact that when we leave this life through death or the coming of Jesus, we will spend eternity with him. The Apostle Paul writing about the dilemma he faced. Now, God was using him magnificently in ministry and planting churches and seeing not just scores but hundreds of people come to Jesus through the fact that the Holy Spirit anointed him and here and there and there and people came to Christ. But he wrote, you know, the Philippians, I'm hard-pressed. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ... <laughs> But on the other hand, I know if I stay behind, it's better for you. Do I want to stay behind and have more ministry, or do I want to depart and be with Jesus? He was affirming that when he died, he would come into his presence. The practice Barb and I had for many years was each morning I got up first and made the coffee. And then I'd go and waken her and hand her a cup, and we'd sit side by side in bed, touching each other, drinking our coffee. When her cup got empty, she didn't say, I need another cup. She just kind of nudged me, and I knew that was it, and I gave the second cup. Then after that, we began to have a time of prayer, and we prayed for all kinds of people, all kinds of things. Now, for a number of years, KBEZ on Sunday mornings had two hours of what they called the Songs of Faith. And those we often played on Sunday morning while drinking our coffee. 
And every Sunday, when one particular song was sung, for Barb, it was as if the world stood still. She stopped and focused on that song and on those words. I dreamed of a city called Glory. It was so bright and fair. When I entered the gates, I cried, Holy. Oh, the angels all met we there. They carried me from mansion to mansion. Oh, the sights I saw. But I said, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for all. Then I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy, holy, holy. I clapped my hands and sang, Glory, glory to the Son of God. As I entered the gates of the city, all my loved ones knew me well. They took me down the streets of heaven. Oh, the scenes, too many to tell. I saw Abraham, and there was Jacob and Isaac. I talked with Mark and sat down with Timothy. And I said to Timothy, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. I believe that mid-morning, October 20th, 2008, my dear wife saw Jesus. Oh, what a blessing to think about, isn't there? Eternity with him. Sometimes when Bob and Shirley and I are visiting, matter of fact, it's almost every time, <laughs> we begin to talk about all that's going in the world, the troubles, the suffering, and Week after week, our conversation ends up talking about the second coming, how different everything will be. And one of us will say something like, uh, <laughs> come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then Shirley always says, but what about those left behind? <laughs> There's a reason to delay. Merle Haggard some years ago wrote a song, Just a Little Longer, Dear Jesus. <laughs> And that was a song, Lord, we want you to come, but give a little longer that we might see those whom we love who are outside the fold become a part of your flock. That's a worthy prayer, isn't it? And so we're torn two ways. Come, Lord Jesus, but give us a little more time. We don't want to see anyone go to hell. In World War II... It was not unusual to hear someone mockingly say, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. 1969, Peggy Lee recorded a song that kind of reflects that. The title of the song is, Is That's All There Is. <laughs> I remember when I was a little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up and carried me in his arms, raced through the building house to the pavement. As I stood on the sidewalk shivering in my pajamas and stood there, watched the whole thing go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, and let's just keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. 
if that's all there is. And when I was 12 years old, my daddy took me to the circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears, and a beautiful lady in tights flew overhead. And as I sat there watching, I had the feeling something was missing. Is that all there is to a circus? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, and let's just keep dancing. Let's break out the booze. Let's have a ball. If that's all there is. I know what you'll be saying to yourself. If that's the way she feels about it, why doesn't she just end it all? Oh, no, not me. I'm not ready for that final disappointment because just as well as I know that I'm standing here talking to you, when that final moment comes and I'm breathing my last breath, I'll be saying to myself, is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze. Let's have a ball, if that's all there is. Isn't that sad? Remember the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians fifteen nine said, If we have in this life only hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And he devotes that entire chapter to showing that we don't have hope just in this life in Christ, but a wonderful eternity waits us. My brother and my sister, we're going through some hard times, aren't we? People we love are going through hard times. Our nation is going through hard The world is going through a hard time. But we will have an eternal existence filled with never-agains. We will have an eternal existence just filled with thanksgiving for the indescribable blessings. Whatever may be going on, let's encourage one another with that. Paul wrote, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. God, we are thankful that in this life we do not walk alone. We walk with you. And oh, how thankful we are that with open arms you will greet every one of us someday. My brother and sister, I don't know how much longer God's going to have me on this earth, nor any of you, but I'm convinced of this. Someday, we'll walk the streets of heaven together. Praise be his name.